You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Uh, I want to celebrate a few things before we get started this morning. And, uh, but So this is what they are. Last Sunday was Easter, if y'all remember. It feels like uh, a year ago already for me because I was sick all week, so excuse me if I am all sniffly and all that stuff. It's because uh, my wife got me sick on purpose, I think. She was sick, so she uh, wanted to punish me because she's always getting sick, so she got me sick too. Um, last week, we saw 400 people come to church. Uh, that's the most we've ever seen. Um, that means 400 people got to connect with Jesus on their level. Um, and it's just awesome. I remember being excited when 30 people would show up, even when um, 15 people would show up. And, and, and I tell you this not to brag, because, but because it's awesome and 400 people, it seems like a lot, but I believe that God's not done yet. Um, I believe that God still wants to reach people in this community, um, that he's just not done yet, that the best is yet to come. I also want to celebrate um, the 11 people who got baptized in the last two weeks. That's awesome. Um, 11 people took their next step in faith um, and got baptized. And again, I believe that God's not done yet. I believe we're going to see more people um, commit to following Jesus. I think we're going to see more people connect with Jesus on their level. Um, And I just believe that we have a God who is working in this community that is working in Lewis. Um, I was just reflecting on just where God has been and what he's doing in these last um, seven years since I've committed my life to Christ, and Lewis is a totally different Lewis um, now than I think it was seven years ago. I think God has been moving and working in this community that one day I don't think we're going to recognize this place the way that it it is now, that it's going to be a totally different place. Um, Because God is not moving just through our church, but through all the faith communities in the area and through different organizations, and I'm just super excited to get to be a part of it um, and get to be a part of it with you guys. Um, because we're a family and we get, to, we get to do work for the kingdom together. But if you don't know me, my name's Josh. I'm the student's pastor here. Um, and I get the opportunity to, to share a message with you guys today. So I normally um, get to preach to um, 6th to 12th graders, and they don't ever pay attention to me, and they're like on Snapchat. And so it'll be nice to hopefully have some people pay attention. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll talk about it at the end. Um, but... Uh, so this Sunday is one of two I call youth pastor Sundays that there is not a senior pastor preaching in the whole country because they're lazy. They think they get to preach five services on Easter and get to take a Sunday off now. I had to do announcements. Does he know how hard that was? Um, there was like two announcements. It took a minute. It was really hard. Now I have to preach? That's not fair. Um, but uh, no, uh, just kidding. Um, Bert works really, really hard, and I, I love getting the opportunity to preach on Sunday. Um, so... If you were with us before Easter, you um, will remember that we've been going through the book of Genesis over the last few forevers, it feels like. Um, And we just finished our series on Abraham. And uh, normally I would just do like a one-shot, but Bert said, you know what, keep going with Genesis. Um, So we're going to be talking about Isaac today. But if you missed out on any of the talks we've done on Genesis up to this point, you can go to our website, um, shameless plug at solidground.church/watch, and you can uh, catch up or binge watch it the way you would Netflix. Um, that'd be cool. Um, uh, but today we're going to jump into the story of Isaac, and uh, I think 
Genesis is an interesting book because um, I love the rawness of Genesis. Um, Genesis isn't afraid to point out people's flaws and, uh, and their faults. And I think it's really um, helpful as a follower of Jesus to see that because um, it shows us that God isn't looking for perfect people to do his work, that he's willing to use flawed and messed up people. Um, he's just looking for people to say yes um, and be willing to do what he's asking people to do. And and I love Genesis because we get to see that. These people don't always get it right, and they don't always get it right after they do this amazing thing that sometimes I still continue to mess up through life. And, and I think as if we're just being brutally honest, that's, that is part of this journey. It's just trying to figure it out as we walk through this faith journey. And God, um, whether no matter where you are, if God is just looking for people to say, Yes, but Isaac um, is one of those interesting cases in the book because Abraham's whole life is about this promise that God has from leading up to Isaac. And then we get to Isaac, and he has, like, one story about him, and it just talks about how he messes up. And it's really interesting because there is 14 chapters about Abraham, there's 11 chapters about Jacob, Isaac's son, and there's, like, two and three-quarters chapters about Isaac. So you'd think that we'd, like... We're spending this whole time in Abraham working up to Isaac, and then we think we'd have this great, long, like, monologue and story about Isaac, but we, like, just get this small story about he, how he messed up. But that's what we're going to look at um, today. Um, and Isaac doesn't even, like, really get his own section. He's kind of sandwiched in between stories of his sons. Um, they kind of just throw it in, like, they kind of forgot to tell us about him after um, his dad almost sacrificed him. Um, but I, I read this quote about Isaac, and it said, um, Isaac was an ordinary son to an extraordinary father and an ordinary father to an extraordinary son. And when I read that, I said, man, I hope that no one ever says that about me. Um, my dad is extraordinary. Um, I hope that I can be extraordinary. I hope that my when I get the chance to have sons that they're extraordinary, I want them to play in the NFL because these student loans aren't going to pay themselves. Um, so, uh, you know, as soon as they come out, I'm going to start teaching them how to throw footballs. Um, but uh, we're going to jump into Scripture. But before we jump into Scripture, um, I want to pray for us and uh, pray for this time, and then we will uh, jump into God's Word. So, Father God, um, as we open your Word, we just pray um, that you speak to us. That whether we've read this scripture a hundred times or we've, we've never read it before, God, I pray that we will just um, experience it in a fresh way. God, that you will reveal yourself to us and that we will know you better. God, so we praise you and we love you and we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Five bucks, I kick these water bottles over. Um, so Genesis 26 um, of 1 through 11 says this. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the previ- previous famine... In Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Amalek. Bert told me how to pronounce that earlier. I forgot already. Um, King of the Philistines in Gerar, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. While the men of this place asked him about his, um, when the men of this place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. Sounds familiar. 
because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me or an account of Rebekah because she is so beautiful. When Isaac had been there for a long time, Abimelech, that's it, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rachel. Uh Uh-oh, plot twist. But Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the men might have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who harms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So my one point today is men, make sure you show your wives PDA in public. Because he was caressing his wife in public for two people who laughed. Um, but uh, for me, I don't... The, the, show your wife's like, I'm not the best at doing that. My wife was trying to hold my hand the other day at the outlets, and every time she like touched my hand, I went like scratch my neck. I just don't like, I don't, I get sweaty hands, and you know, if, if somebody attacks me, I need my hand to get them. You know, um, it's not true. No one's gonna attack me. Not at the outlets. Not while I'm at like Nike. I don't know. It's not Black Friday. Um, no, but uh, so if we look at this story, this story sounds really reminiscent of some things that we've read previously in Genesis. Um, it almost seems identical to some of the stories that we've read in Genesis up until this point. So Isaac has this conversation with God, and, and he is sitting there talking to God, and he's like, Isaac, do not go down to Egypt. I stay here. I'm going to take care of you here. He's, God, I, I, I believe you. You got me until he's confronted with some guys, and he says, you know what, God, maybe you don't got me. She's my wife. Uh, I'm going to try to preserve my life. And it's interesting that he trusts God in this one moment, and then when push comes to shove, he doesn't trust God anymore, and he thinks he needs to take things into his own hands. And it sounds really familiar, and uh, so we're going to look at some other scripture and see where um, Isaac kind of learned this, this from. Um, and if you remember that his father Abraham does this twice before, um, so Isaac picked up on this at some point in time. He heard the stories or um, somebody told him about it somehow. I don't know. Um, Genesis 12, um, 10 through 13 says this. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me. But, um, but we'll let you live. Say you are my sister, so they will, I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. And then in Genesis 21 through 3, uh, something that sounds very similar to that too, says, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said to his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream, one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Isaac, this story literally just screams like father, like son. Um, The apple doesn't fall far from the tree here. Uh, And the thing that made me think... um, 
is what are we passing down to the generation below us? I think about last time um, I had got the opportunity to speak. I talked about how I did. I got for Christmas, I got the 23andMe. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's you spit in a tube, you send it away, and then they tell you if you're dying or not, I guess. Um, they tell you all the, like, if you're a carrier of diseases or your gene traits, all these different things. And uh, it tells you all these things that got passed down from your parents um, to you. And uh, I, for me, it said that I was like, super Neanderthal, which means like caveman, I guess, and my mom blamed that on my dad. Um, but uh, maybe, I don't know, I don't even know what that means. I, I don't even know how to read it. It was cool. I got it. I looked at it once, and I haven't looked at it since. Um, but we pass, we get these things passed down from our parents, whether it's, you know, we get our genes passed down. But the thing I really want to talk about is that the way we experience life gets passed down from our parents. Earlier, somebody said, um, more is caught than is taught. The most important thing you can do is live a life worth following. It, that has more power than any lesson or any time you ever yell at your parents or your kids. I didn't realize how much people, how, like the eyes of students, as a student's pastor, I didn't realize how much they're looking at me in every little thing all the time. Every, all the time. Like, I didn't realize that I thought that you know, I was just going to be cool and they'd like me and I hope that I'm cool, and I hope that they like me. It would make my job really weird. Um, but uh, I, I had this moment at one time. I, I came to church, and one of the students was dressed exactly like me. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like, you weren't wearing that. When, like, you didn't wear those type of clothes when I saw you on Wednesday. He's like, I just, you know, I wanted to change up my style. I'm like, okay, but I'm realizing that these students, these people, this generation below me are staring at me. They're looking at the things that I'm doing because they're going – because they're looking for somebody to follow. I read this quote in a, a commentary about this verse, and it says this, There is a tendency in all of us to imitate even the weaknesses and the infirmaries of those we value. While we walk in the footsteps of those who came before us, we ought to be careful not to walk in every single one of them. We ought to be careful not to walk in every single one of them. What I'm realizing is as we are the torchbearers of the gospel, that there will come a time that the generation behind us needs to take the torch from us because our time here is done. And my question is, how are we going to pass that along? Are we going to set up for them so that they can run farther, stronger, and faster than we ever were able to? Or are we just going to live a life hoping that they can just follow and get as far as we can? I think we need to step up. We need to do better so that they can go farther. I don't want to raise up people who are less than me. I want to raise up people who are better than me. My dream one day would to be to raise up a student who takes my job and becomes my boss. Because then at least I, I know I'm being faithful. I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. And we look at this story like father, like son. The thing that was passed down to Isaac, the thing that we get to read about is not some of the great things that Isaac did, but the thing that stood out about Isaac is he, he, his fault was the same fault of his father. That when push came to shove, he didn't trust God in the moment, and he felt like he needed to lie to preserve his own life. In the same way that Abraham deceived the kings of foreign countries, Isaac felt that he needed to deceive the kings 
of the foreign country as well to protect himself. It was this generational cycle that kept getting passed down from generation to generation that more is caught than is taught. There's a lot of things um, about me that's my parents. And as teenagers, um, don't we spend our entire lives doing everything we can not to be our parents? Like our entire lives, we just don't want to be our parents. They're the worst people in the world, right? And when we're teenagers. And then we get to adulthood and we realize we're just like the grand sum of our parents. Um, my wife reminds me of this sometimes in the best way possible. She's not like, you're acting like your father. No, um, she doesn't do that. But my dad, his name's Norm, and he like, he is like, just had the best dad jokes lately. I don't know. He's, we call them normisms. And lately, um, my wife has been, able, has been pointing these things out to me. He's like, oh, that's a normism, or, or that's something your dad would have said. And, and, I mean, I love it. I think my dad's awesome. I think he's funny. I like to pick on him. But, uh, but uh, we just become the grand sum of our parents. And parents, you spend your whole lives trying to raise up your kids to go farther and to be better than you. And this isn't a short or a stab at any of you, but at the end of the, at the, end of the day, your kids just become you. And so my question is, what are we passing down? Because we pass down the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not just the good things that get passed down, like my dad's strapping good looks or his big muscles that I have. Um, we, he, I get all the other things as well. I have his temper. I have all these things as well. My question is, what are we passing down to the next generation? Because more is caught than is taught. And the thing that really stands out to me in this story of Isaac is the way that Isaac feels like he needs to go through life. And also the way that God, Isaac relates with God. There's something in Isaac that he's learned that he can't trust God with everything. He can't trust God with everything. He thinks he needs to go through life being deceitful and taking care of himself because somewhere along the lines, I think he thinks that God doesn't have what's best for him. And for some of us, the, the cycles in our lives and have been broken and, and God has shown up and broke those, but I look at the world that we live in and we live in a broken world. I work with these students and I see... These things, I get to go to Cape twice a week, and it doesn't seem like a glamorous thing to do. I just pick up their dirty trays, and I put them away for them. Um, I get pizza sauce on my hands, and it's nasty. And, um, but I get to see these students who, like, I know their older siblings. I know who their parents are. And they're just walking the same path that's been walked before them. They're following the same footsteps, because I believe this, that this life... While it seems like everything that we know it can be seen and can be felt and can just be experienced here, but there is a spiritual reality that's happening around us. That there is a spiritual war happening within us. That we have an enemy whose goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And there is these generational cycles that keep getting passed down from generation to generation and the enemy would want nothing more but to use those to trap those people in those chains and bondage so that they can never experience the life that God has for them. And as the torchbearers of the gospel, as, as the people who are coming, the front runners for this next generation, I think we owe it to them that if there's a cycle in our lives or in our families, that we need to try to break those cycles. 
And the cycles that I see in this community are addiction, abuse, divorce, incarceration. I struggle with that at the 8 a.m. Lying, alcoholism, the way that we think it's okay to treat people. There's these cycles that will get passed down and passed down and passed down because the people are staring at us trying to figure out what to do. And I want to set, I want to set the next generation up to do far more work for the kingdom, to be far more successful, to trip up far less, to fall far less than I ever did. The patterns will be repeated unless they're broken. And the one point I have for you today is that God can break the cycles. God can break the cycle. That just because something is the way it is doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Just because you've experienced life a certain way doesn't mean that's the life that you have to experience for the rest of your time on this planet. Just because your parents did something one way doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. God can break the cycle. How do I know this? And it's in, it's in Scripture. It's in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The old is gone, the new is here. The mistake that we make when we read this piece of scripture is that I think we think about it in our 21st century minds, and we think the old is gone like it's an old beat up something that we throw out and we go to the store and get something new. When it says the old is gone, it means it's been completely erased from history, that there's no trace of it, that God has no memory of it, that it is completely gone. It's, you've completely erased the history of it. And when it says the new is here, it means something brand new that's never existed before. It's not a shinier version of the old thing. It's brand new. It's never been seen. It's never been known. It's never been existed. God can break the cycle because he can destroy the old and create the new. That he can get rid of the old things in your life, the things that you feel like have held your family and you down in in chains and in bondage. God can get rid of it forever. He can break the cycle. And he can give you a new beginning, a new perspective, a new way of doing this life. And it all is possible through one name. And it's the name of Jesus. And last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. And that's the one act of Jesus that makes this all possible. Without that, none of this is possible. Without that, God doesn't break the cycles. But it did happen that Jesus loved you so much that he willingly went to a cross. I told the students a couple weeks ago as we walked through Holy Week not to feel bad for Jesus because this didn't happen on accident. It happened on purpose. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he went through it anyway because he loves you, because that's how much you're worth to him, that he, before any of this happened, it wasn't a surprise to him. He knew what was going on, and he did it anyway. And then when he died on that cross, they put him in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave.
declaring victory over sin, death, and shame, breaking the chains that have been holding us back, the things that have been passed down from generation to generation so that we can experience life, so that the old can be gone and the new can be here, that you can finally be who God has created you to be. So that the enemy can't hang things over your head anymore. To say, this is how life has been. This is how you're going to experience it. I don't care what your past was or your present circumstances is. God has more for you. You can be new in Jesus. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you've gone through. But I want you to know that just because it was doesn't mean it has to be. Just because... It was one way doesn't mean it has to be like that forever. You can be made new in Jesus. You can be given a new start. The cycle and the chains can be broken. And all you have to do is call upon his name and follow him. So as we conclude this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe God has broken some chains and cycles and sins in your life, I want to give you the opportunity to reflect on those moments as we pray. And if you would say that I need God to break some things in my life, I want to follow Jesus, I encourage you to pray with me. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. That Jesus was treated like us so that we can be treated like Jesus. That when you see us, you don't see all of our baggage and our sin and all of our mess-ups and faults, God, but you see a new creation. So God, this morning, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've missed the mark, but I believe in Jesus Christ, your one and only Son who died for my sins and rose from the grave. And I confess this morning From this day forward, you are my Lord and Savior. I am yours and and you are mine. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this community, what you're doing in these people, God. I pray to get to see this community continue to change. And may all the glory go to you. God, we praise you and we love you. We do this in your name. Amen.